What is up, Pistons fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Three Rings Podcast. This episode is the Pistons Season Review Edition. The Pistons finished their regular season. Their record was 23-59, and 59, third spot, third worst record in the league. About to go get Rari for Jabari. Boys, how are we feeling? How are we feeling about this team? Pretty good. Pretty good. I think they made improvements. Um, you know, the record, it's funny, is like the winning percentage is almost the exact same as it was last year since they were 20 and 52 last year in the 72 game season. But I definitely think there's a legit direction now. And that's the biggest thing. Like Cade, fantastic season. We'll get into it. But yeah, I think that'd be feeling pretty good. And then, you know, third best odds coming into the lottery. So that's solid. I think the Rockets having the worst record in the or a worse record than the Pistons ends the uh, Cade versus Jalen Green debate. That's all I'm gonna say. No, no you definitely, you definitely wrong. I feel like now nowadays the Jalen Green the the debate is now Cade versus like Scotty Barnes. Now you got to get more hit with the with the Twitter <laughs> with the Twitter follows. But we got a jam packed episode for you guys today. We're first gonna talk about the grades for the starting lineup. So I guess we just can get straight up into it. If we talk about Kay Cunningham, what grade are you giving him for his season? Now, take into mind, this is kind of similar to his Rookie of the Year award. You know, it's not just like what he showed in the month of March. You know, if compared to your expectations, how has he done? And yeah, what grade would you give him? Um, I'll, I'd, I'll go with the uh, A. I think that I'm going to not given an A plus and that's just because he did have a turnover issue he had you know the beginning of the year was rough I could care you know less about that to be honest just because of how he finished um the season especially after the all-star break but yeah the turnovers was a little bit tough averaging almost four turnovers a game he's got to get that down but honestly everything else I mean he was fantastic you know, it was funny because I was looking back at like our first episode or one of the first episodes talking about this season. And I think we made a prediction on like Cade's stat line. And I think Aiden, I think you said like, I want to say 16, five and five or 15, five and five. And then I said, and to be honest, I thought it was like insane what I was saying when I said it. Cause I was like, I thought about it after I was like, there's no way he gets this. I said 16 or 17, six and five, six rebounds, five assists. That ended up being almost like spot on. Yeah. But like looking back on it, those were not my expectations by any means. Like he completely surpassed them. Um, I think, you know, he's proven that he's a star player already. In, in year one, he's proven that. And I think he's now the franchise cornerstone for this team. I mean, when you average 22 points, seven rebounds, and like five assists after the All Star break, like he did you're proving yourself pretty darn good. And he's on like the same trajectory, I would say, as like LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards um, of like, you know, really approaching stardom and maybe even being an all-star next year. We'll see what happens. But I've been really impressed with Cade Cunningham this season. I'll go further and say he'll be better than Melo and Anthony Edwards. Call me a slappy, but I don't know. That's just how I feel. But I think I would give him an A too. Just because you know he was he had a couple injury bugs here and there, and uh, if they clear that up, he'll be ready for an A plus season next year and take another step. Um, I was really impressed 
you know, like I knew he was good coming coming in, like once we drafted him and everything. But watching him night in, night out, you really like are very impressed in how how like crafty he is and just the creativity and just how he just kind of embraces, you know, being a piston as a whole. And I think, you know, we're very lucky to have him is all I'm going to say. And I think that this is just the tip of the iceberg and there's, there's more to come for him. And I'm really excited about the future, but yeah, I give him an A and Neil kind of already talked to, talked about, uh, you know, the reasons why, but yeah, just being a little bit injury prone probably puts him down from an A plus to an A. But yeah, besides that, he's had a damn good season. Yeah, no, not really much to add to it. I'd also give him an A. I'd probably go a little bit closer towards A plus, probably like a 90, 98, 98% if I had to give him like an actual percentage. A 3.5. A 3.5. No, but Cade really did surpass expectations. I think a lot of Pistons fans had kind of tampered down their expectations towards the beginning of the season. When we got Cade, it was like, you know, he's the next LeBron, he's the next this. And then a lot of people said, you know, maybe he's a second option. Maybe he's like a Chris Middleton player. And, you know, I was cool with that. I was like, okay, you know, this is a Chris Middleton. It's not like a bad player. But I think he has shown this season that he is a franchise player. He's not someone who's going to be the one option two on any championship team. He's going to be the primary focal point. I think that enough speaks to the volumes of his impact on the floor. So yeah, I have to give him, I have to give him that. You guys kind of touched on all the reasons. I think 17, five and five or whatever his stat line is. I mean, that's crazy to average as a rookie. Unfortunately, I don't know if he'll win rookie of the year, but I mean, in the end, like two, three years now, who's as long as injuries don't get in the way, who's going to say that really even mattered. But yeah, any final words on Kay Cunningham? Yeah, I mean, I was just going to say, um, I think Cade's a perfect case of why you don't judge a guy after the first month of basketball that they played in the NBA. You know, everybody after his first, and it wasn't even a month, actually, it was like two, three weeks. And that was also keep in mind, he had come off an injury, he missed training camp and so on. But he didn't look good the first two, three weeks of the season. He really struggled, frankly, and he could not hit any, any threes. And so everyone was immediately saying, oh, this guy's a bust, you know, Jalen Green's better, Evan Mobley's better, so on and so forth. Well, Cade's completely, you know, changed that narrative. Now, like you said, I don't know if he'll win rookie there. We'll see. But I think the same can be said of like Jalen Green, too, by the way, because he got off to a good start and everyone's saying, oh, he's for sure winning that award. And then he gets injured and then he starts really struggling a little bit. But the last like two weeks of the season for Jalen Green were fantastic. So just always keep in mind, you know, give it time with these young guys, especially because also you can't even judge them after one year because there's been a lot of players who have had bad rookie rookie uh, seasons and then completely turn around their career. So we still have a long way to go, obviously, in figuring out how good Cade and these other rookies are, but certainly a very promising rookie season. Yeah, no, I was told that um... – Chris Duarte was the was the guy. He was the guy over Kate Cunningham. And now here we are, end of the season. No one, no one's talking about Chris Duarte. So it really just goes to talk about momentum. A lot of fans. Yeah, rookie of the first two weeks, Chris Duarte. Congratulations. <laughs> the first two weeks. I I will say this about the rookie of the year that if he doesn't win it, I'm 
comfortable with being okay with I'm okay with him not winning it because if you look the past few years at the the guys who won rookie of the year and the guys who finished behind them the guys who finished behind them in the long run have been so much better um just as a whole I mean obviously you got guys like Luca and stuff who are probably the best player in their class but yeah I mean you look at like Malcolm Brogdon won in 2017. I don't think he was the best. Like Michael Carter Williams won in 2014. Um, just looking at it. So I mean, I mean, if you go back and look at those draft classes, yeah. So if he doesn't win it over 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 Scotty Barnes or Evan Mobley, I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, and I mean, I don't think he's gonna win it. Unfortunately, I feel like. Despite the Twitter push, he's probably not. But that's okay, right? That's a, just a chip on his shoulder. But now moving on from Kay Cunningham comes what may be the most polarizing player on the Detroit Pistons. And that is Killian Hayes, the point guard out of France. And yeah, a season that I would describe as, I won't say like great, but definitely I'm a little bit more optimistic on him in terms of what his role may be. Because, you know, in the beginning of the season, the guy, I don't know if you could argue if he was like an NBA player, if you look at like efficiency and stuff like that. But I did feel like he did sort of pick it up, especially at the end of the season, towards the towards the end of the season when he moved to the bench and he was finding his role. And now I feel like he's a serviceable piece. He may not be, you know, the star that people like unnecessarily put onto him. But now you can definitely argue he's a he's a piece moving forward. What do you guys think about Killian Hayes? I think I would give him like a B minus, like an 80%-ish kind of range where obviously you're talking about like we didn't even know if he was an NBA player or not. But now he he's looked a lot more confident um, the past month or two. Um, he's created a three-point shot or he's developed one. Um, and that's really important right now for him is just developing a shot. And, you know, when he gets these open shots to make them, um he's be he's been able to create off the dribble now too um which has been a big part of like his game and developing and you know if he wants to make the team probably like you know five years down the road when we're contending for a championship you know that's that's going to be a key component for him to making the team and I think for him now um coming off the bench was huge for him um, he's really kind of, I don't know if he's been humbled or what, but coming off the bench is a big deal now. And I think he's been a key bench player um, in the last month or two. So yeah, I, I would give him around like a B minus. Um, I'll go with the C. I think that, you know, Killian, he's been one of the few players that like, I've had some takes on that I just constantly go back and forth with. <laughs> like, I remember when he first came into the league, I thought he was one of the best players in the 2020 draft. I thought he would, he should have been like a top four, top five pick in terms of sheer talent. And then after a little bit, I was like, oh my God, you know, this dude just is, doesn't have it. But I was more of a Killian defender for a while, but then I've switched back and forth. Anyways, I think that Killian, he's had, an interesting year in that at the beginning of the year, it just didn't work at all. And I think a big part of that was because they were trying to force the, <clears throat> the Cade and Killian lineup 
And I just don't think that that works. I think it's quite clear those two can't fit in a backcourt together. But, you know, like you said, Aiden, at the end of the year, he really turned it up a little bit and certainly gave some um, signs that he deserves to be on this team for the future. And we'll see. But when you look at his, you know, his season stat line, for example, it's virtually the same that it was his rookie year, averaging 6.9 points compared to 6.8 in 2020. Um, and so, you know, he's, his field goal percentage is slightly up, but his three-point percentage is down two points. So it's just, it's interesting. I don't know. I think that he's a solid player, but for me, he just didn't do enough to prove that, you know, last year was just a fluke. And so like, that's, that's the issue that I have with him. So I, I think a C, but I would almost kind of say it's like incomplete just because I don't, you never know what you're getting from Killian. Yeah, no, I feel like that's definitely like a valid, uh, valid concern. I would probably go on the higher side. I'd probably give him like a B, 83%, <laughs> giving the grades again. I think, I think Killian Hayes got just a lot more comfortable towards the end of the season. He did also get comfortable towards like, if you looked at last season, he was getting a little bit better. But I think like I, the way I saw him play towards the end of the season, it felt like he was more, he was impacting the games, like, to describe it, for example, when the Pistons would be making a comeback that they were obviously going to lose the game, but they wanted to make the game close, it was usually Killian Hayes and the bench who would come together and they would make a run to make the game a lot closer. If they were down by nine, Killian Hayes and the bench come in, the game now they're just down by two. And I felt like Killian played a type of basketball that was a little bit more conducive to winning. He also answered my question on if we went to the G League, would he like thrive? And he did um, against the OKC Thunder who shamefully put out a product that featured Xavier Simpson for you Michigan fans. <laughs> I mean, he went off. He had like 26, 8, and 5. I forgot his exact stat line, but I mean, Killian dominated. So I think it's good to see him just get more comfortable. He said it himself, just having more confidence in myself and just, in his words, just hooping. He just needs to do that, and I think they'll be solid. Is he the long-term shooting guard or in the backcourt for the Pistons, I don't think so. I think Cade needs a high-scoring um, shooting guard. But um, off the bench, like, if he's your starting he's, – if he's your backup point guard, I mean, why not? Not a not a bad option. So, I think I think it's a fair point. But, y'all, any last thoughts on uh, Killian Hayes before, before we move on? Or... No, I mean, I don't know. I just think that he needs to really, you know, get to work over the summer because I think his career – trajectory has completely shifted from being you know seventh overall pick to now at best it's it looks like he'll be a role player and so you know I, I have a ton of belief in Killian again I'll always say that he's not going to be a guy like the usual point guard in the scoring NBA times of like putting up 20 points a game that's not Killian Hayes he's much more of like a Goran Dragic of the Miami Heat um, days of like you know 13, 14 points and like eight or nine assists, that type of thing. So, you know, we'll see, but he, he needs a good summer and that he needs to come out firing immediately in October um, for the next season. Yeah. Hopefully he's working with uh, Ashton, the trainer and uh, they put in that, they put in that work as y'all can, as y'all can see, but let's move on to the next person. So basically what we're doing with this starting lineup, we're not going to include Marvin Bagley because we'll talk about him later. So well, first we can talk about the two forwards for the Pistons. We can first talk probably about Jeremy Grant. Now, Jeremy Grant was a player who at the beginning of the season, I'm not going to lie, I did not like his style of play. I thought he was very inefficient. I thought 
he was trying to be the the main guy which was fine in the first season he came here because there was literally no one else to score but then once Cade came I felt like he was just forced and the shots weren't going in he was taking bad shots but then after he comes back from that injury and I think it was the Celtics game prior to the all-star break Jeremy just kind of switched around in terms of his play I felt like he was a lot more efficient you know he was kind of playing basketball he said he let his ego you know he got rid of the ego and said you know what Cade you can be the number one guy but I'm gonna be a damn good too and I feel like Jeremy did a great job with that obviously there's stuff he still needs to work on I think he could definitely improve his passing that's probably like the thing that can take his game to like the next level but um overall what were your guys thoughts on uh, Jeremy Grant I don't know. I think Jeremy also similar to Killian. I, it's like, it's hard to give a grade just because he only played 47 games. Like he, he barely played more than half of the games of the regular season. And so, um, you know, I feel a cop out would be an incomplete grade is what I would give him. But in terms of an actual letter grade, I don't know, like a, a B because honestly, I agree with you, Vinayak on exactly what you just said of like at the beginning of the year, I, we get really annoyed with Jeremy Graham, not going to lie, just because I wanted them to just give the keys to Cade, let him run the offense fully. But Jeremy would be, I mean, Jeremy probably had the ball at the end of, for the last five minutes of every single game for the first 10 games of the regular season. Like it was just the Jeremy Grant show. Um, But I think that changed. And to be fair, the Pistons looked good when Jeremy um, started to get back to full health in the middle of the season and just after the all-star break. I mean, they went on like a, what, 5-2 run yeah. or something like that. And that was a big part of that was Jeremy knowing his role and playing a great number two. So, yeah, I'd say like a B, um, a B or an incomplete. But, yeah, we just need to see more of how he fits with like Cade and the rest of these guys. Yeah, I mean, I think he'll be gone by the, the start of the next season, but that's just me. Um, but I think I would give him a B plus just for the fact that he sat out that many games. And I think that's really helped them with their draft stock. And I think he gets, he gets an A for sitting on the bench and not playing at all. But overall, I think, or I think for his actual performance, he probably gets around a C um, for, for the reasons you were talking about, Neil. And yeah, they were, they were good, you know, coming out of the all-star break. But yeah, he, I don't know, he kind of does his, his own thing. Um, but yeah, it, when you're talking about fit with Kate, doesn't seem that that fit's going to be there. You know, you think you look at Killian too, you're like that fit really wasn't there. So, you know, maybe he's a, he's a bench player uh, for Killian's, um, for Killian right now. But yeah, but Jeremy is, yeah. He's probably not going to be a piston long term, and he's definitely not a number two option or probably a number three option on the championship team. So I think, yeah, I think that the B plus for him sitting out is a big deal. <laughs> yeah, no, I'd probably give him around the B, the B range as well, or I mean, not as well, but I think solid player but yeah I don't know if he stays around also I did want to add he is now eligible in the offseason to sign a four-year 112 million dollar extension and for those reasons I'm personally out on Jeremy Grant that I will not be 
I will not be uh, excited to see him in uniform next season unless if we trade him or we trade him in the next season. I just, I don't know. I don't know if he's really part of the future. He did show, which I respect, that he can play off ball next to K, like he can be the second or third option. But um, I think for both sides, and we'll get into this later in the episode, it'll be better for the Pistons and Grant to kind of move on. I feel like what he came to Detroit to do, he accomplished, and now he can go on probably to the, the next chapter of his career. But getting moving on into the starting lineup, we can talk about Sadiq Bey. And Sadiq Bey kind of came, I wouldn't say out of nowhere, but he was, he was a player that, you know, when initially came in, 3 and D guy, and when he was a rookie, comes in, knocks down a bunch of threes, plays defense, pretty much your typical 3 and D guy. But I feel like this season he took a lot of strides in terms of his offensive game, was getting a lot more comfortable with his mid-range, his, you know, post-up. He was doing a lot more fadeaways. And at first, let me remind you, fans, there was a moment where we were talking about should Sadiq Bey be in the G League? Now, we did not necessarily all believe it. <laughs> no, and it's like, I know people people are going to laugh, but it's like, it was even asked. I think James Edwards asked Dwayne Casey about going to the G League. And it's crazy now, like how, like the resurrection he kind of had in the middle of the season to dropping 50 points, or you could talk about the game winner against the Spurs. I mean, Sadiq had himself quite the year. What do you guys think about Sadiq Bey and his future moving forward? Yeah, Sadiq had a big time year. Um, you know, I was really, really impressed with him, to be honest, because I think going into the season, I really wasn't sure if Sadiq would generally be a long-term, like, starter for this team, just because he's, he was a solid shooter in his rookie year, um, an okay defender, but, like, not, not amazing at really anything. But he's taken his game to a, a, another level. I mean – you know, he, he went from averaging 12 points a game last year to 16 this year. Uh, his percentages are slightly down from three, but that's also just because of a lot more usage. And the biggest thing is I think that he really fits with Cade Cunningham. And that matters because Cade will be your franchise cornerstone. And so you got to get guys that fit with him. And Sadiq certainly does that. And yeah, I mean, I don't know. I thought that his three-point shooting was a little bit worse, like I said, but Everything else, defensively, Sadiq was much, much better this year than he was last year. Um, and then I think at the beginning of the year, like you said, Benai, you know, he, he didn't really know his role. He kind of wanted to really try to advance other parts of his game just kind of over the summer um, where he wanted to become a much better post-up player, you know, driving to the hoop more. And it just, it was tough for him to do that at the beginning of the year. And maybe that's why he got off to such a bad start. But my goodness, once he figured out his role again and figured out how to play with Cade, the end of the year, he was hitting from all cylinders. Uh, I mean, I bet, you know, if you look up his stats for the last two months or whatever, he, he's probably averaging at least 20 points just because he was that good at the end of the year. So I'd say in terms of a grade, um, I'll give him an A minus. Um, I think not an A plus or A just because he could have had a better start to the season, I guess. And maybe the three point numbers could have been a little bit better, but yeah, I thought he was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I think for me, I would grade it, you know, into the two parts of the season where, you know, all the way up from the beginning of the season till December, I'd grade it probably like a D just for, you know, he was in a very big slump and most guys would shy away and, you know, kind of like 
be down on their luck and give up, but he didn't give up. He, he stayed with it and he finished through and finished strong at the end of the season. I would definitely give him an A for the, for the way he played from January on. Um, yeah. For, like you, like you were saying, Neil, for the same reasons. And yeah, the, you know, the Sacramento game, the San Antonio game, um, very, very big for him. And yeah, like, Guys would shy away and, you know, probably give up, but he didn't. And I don't know if that's, you know, from him and, you know, or it's from Dwayne Casey or who it's from, but I'm glad he didn't. And he looks like a legit, like, third or fourth option um, once this rebuild is over. And, yeah, he, he looks really good and primed for, for another step next year. Um, maybe like a, a Miles Bridges level step, you know, we saw that this year and maybe he he's ready to make that step next year for, you know, like a 19 points per game kind of guy behind Cade and potentially Jabari. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you guys have said. I think the moments that Deke rocked the headband and became known as headband Deke, I mean, it was just wraps for the NBA. He, he really impressed me. I, I think I'd also give him a minus a range. Like Sadiq, Sadiq was a player who I'm pretty optimistic on could be a third option, probably on our team. Like if everything breaks right for him. And even if it doesn't, like you have a player that you'd want on a championship team, regardless of your role. And yeah, I mean, homie dropped 50 points and that's like, there's not many players that can say that they dropped 50 points in the NBA game. I mean, he's joining the likes of, you know, Terrence Ross, Corey Brewer. I mean, just absolute greats. And no, I'm just kidding, but um, just overall, it's a great, a great uh, season for Sadiq Bey. But now we can finally talk about the last player in the starting lineup, Isaiah Stewart. Now Isaiah Stewart had himself quite the interesting year. Um, he had, if you guys know, like off the court, not even off the court, on the court, he had some altercations, notably with LeBron James, um, was kind of reminiscent of the mouse of the palace, also stepped over Blake Griffin. And he received a lot of criticism because of, you know, he was, you know, 6A undersized. But towards the end of the season, Isaiah Stewart shot 11 for 18 from three. They gave him more flexibility as Marvin Bagley entered to the starting lineup. And he started playing much better. Is he the long-term answer at the center? I'm not sure, but um, yeah. What do you guys thought thoughts on Isaiah Stewart's season and his his prospects for the future as well? I think long-term, he's got to be the number two center on the team just because of his size and everything. So yeah, for that reason. But he's he's been pretty well. Obviously, he's gotten uh, a little bit chippy with guys and I kind of like that you kind of want that in a center oh you want guys to be gritty and like you know go after boards and everything like that and that's that's what he's done he's worked on his outside game a little more and that's that's a big deal um I think overall as a grade I give him like a c plus or you know a b I think a lot of us last year were surprised how well he played and, you know, I think we kind of expected him to make another big jump um, this year, but he didn't, he didn't really, he kind of stayed uh, the same. He got a little bit better, but I think he kind of stayed the same. So I think nothing, nothing special. We know what to expect from him night in and night out. And yeah. 
that's, that's kind of what you got to say. There's not really much more you can say about him. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, I think uh, the biggest thing that I would say with Isaiah Stewart is just that, like, I didn't understand all year long why the team just didn't use him on offense until, like, the last two months of the season. Like, they just did not use many pick and rolls, and they didn't let him shoot threes, which made no sense to me because last year he was a solid three-point shooter. I mean, he's a center, so he's not going to be a great three-point shooter, but, like, he was solid enough that it made your offense a little bit more versatile, but they just didn't allow him to do that this year. I didn't understand it at all from Dwayne Casey. I mean, that's one of the biggest um, issues I had with Dwayne Casey this season was Isaiah Stewart. But yeah, I mean, again, like, like it seems like this whole Pistons team in the starting lineup, he finished the year pretty well. And so I'd say I'd give him like a, like you Aiden, a B minus or a B maybe. Like, nothing too special. Um, he didn't really improve as much as I thought he would from last year. But I think it just goes to show that, once again, you can't judge guys off of one year just because the, the second year they can take a star trajectory or a trajectory more towards being a role player, which is, I think, what Isaiah Stewart's starting to take. Yeah, I would probably also give him in the B-minus-B range. But this is kind of a hot take. I'm actually the most optimistic on Isaiah Stewart out of the core four of Weaver drafted in 2020. I know Sadiq Bey is like obviously the obvious pick on who's going to be the best, but I think Isaiah Stewart could definitely have a real impact on the team moving forward. I just, the way they used him towards the end of the season and first of all, his defense, I think he's kind of established himself towards the end of the season as like the centerpiece of the Pistons defense, kind of not necessarily, not want to say like, so Draymond Green is a is I'm not going to say he's like Draymond Green, but he's Draymond Green in the sense where he's basically the centerpiece of the defense kind of originates around Isaiah Stewart in the sense where he's the one who's getting the switches. And also Isaiah Stewart defends quite well on perimeter when when it's like a guard like Trey Young, for example, he locked the he locked them down anytime that he was out there. And if they play him like Neil, you were saying, like use his offense, make him allow him to shoot more. And I think they will, if, especially if they get someone like a Chet Holmgren or they run it back with Bagley. I think there's definitely a lot of potential there for Isaiah Stewart moving forward. But now we're moving past Isaiah Stewart. We can talk about kind of the final really young main piece um, for the Pistons. We don't have to give a grade necessarily, but Marvin Bagley. Um, Bagley came in um, off a trade. We traded Josh Jackson, Trey Lyles for him to Sacramento. Bagley came and he came in as a next this summer, he'll be a restricted free agent. And the question comes, do they keep him? What did you guys think? What do you guys think about Marvin Bagley? And do you think the Pistons should do what they can to keep him? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I say that quite confidently. I think that Bagley really proved himself in a Pistons uniform. And, you know, I think, the trade, it just made a lot of sense in the first place when getting him just because the Kings are the Kings. They're not a good organization at all in the NBA. Oh, no, sir. Yeah, I, I would argue possibly the worst organization in the NBA. But that's besides the point. I just don't think that that was a good spot for him. Um, and I think, you know, it, it was a good idea by Weaver of just take a shot on a guy like Bagley, like he's done in the past with guys like Josh Jackson, um, Trey Lyles, you know, those boys. 
Uh, just give him a chance, see what happens, especially considering how young Marvin Bagley is. And so, yeah, I think, I think you keep him. I think obviously the price tag matters, but I think especially if they can get him for a one-year deal, that would be big time because then the contract, the salary doesn't really matter for that year just because, let's be honest, they're not competing for a championship next year. And so they want to get better, that's for sure. But I think you give him a one-year, $10 million deal, I'm fine with that. Now, if they want to give him more of a long-term deal, um, I have no issues so long as it's about, I think the market range I, I saw for Bagley is like $8 million, 8 to $10 million right now. So if they give him something like a three-year, $24 million contract in total, so eight per year, I wouldn't mind that. Um, but yeah, he's just, he's a risky guy. You know, that's, that's who he is. You don't know exactly what you're going to get from him in two years or whatever. And so that's why I think a one-year deal probably makes the most sense. But to answer your question, yes, I think you, you bring him back, give him another chance. Cause he only played 18 games for the Pistons. Yeah. Like Neil was talking about, I think motivation is the biggest issue you saw with uh, him at Sacramento and he seemed pretty motivated here. Um, so I think, yeah, bringing him back, I don't think anyone's going to be throwing, you know, $20 million at him. And if they are, you know, good for him, he can go take that. But I think besides that, you know, if they're offering, you know, between the eight to like 12, $13 million range, um, you should, they should be able to match that for the next, you know, two to three years. I mean, I'm kind of skeptical on one-year contracts and then also like max contracts. So I think a two or three-year, excuse me, um, contract would be fine. Um, but yeah, I think you should, you should prioritize him in free agency along with some other guys we'll talk about later. But yeah, he should be one of the main priorities. Yeah, I'm with you guys there. I think they need to keep Marvin Bagley. I will say the draft may complicate things if they get a top two or three pick and they pick someone like Chet or Jabari or even like Paolo because, you know, it's another big. It's like, do you want to keep Marvin Bagley around? But I still feel like even in that case, I mean, you have to do what you can. I think he exceeded expectation. He ex at least exceeded my expectations. He played quite well. And, you know, before we made the trade, the problem with the Pistons was they didn't have a athletic, jumpy big. And then you get that with Bagley and you could just see the difference, especially how it impacted Cade. Like Cade's pick and roll and everything. It was just so much more comfortable playing with someone who can actually be athletic. And it was fun to watch um, from a fan perspective. But, okay, so now we've covered um, most of the Pistons' young pieces. We can now get into kind of some awards or just – just general questions about the team. This one we can just call the who surprised you segment of a Pistons player. It could be the ones we've mentioned um, before or anyone else on the roster. Which Pistons player this season did you have expectations for and they exceeded him? And for honesty, for, for just sake of the game, let's just not do Kate Cunningham because uh, you can answer him honestly for every single thing we talk about on this podcast. But um, yeah, let's, let's see. What do you guys have? Yeah, I mean, let me let me just add something real quick on Bagley, by the way. But um, he another thing with Bagley that's important to look out for, he fits really well with Cade in that right after they got him, 
um, Cade's assist numbers like shot up for a little bit. I think like the month of February, he was averaging about seven assists because he really freed up Cade on the pick and rolls and loved just, you know, Cade loved lobbing the ball up to him because he's a vertical threat. And so I think that matters. And that's another reason why to keep him. But to go on to your question, um, man, this is a tough one. Um, can I go with Trey Lyles? <laughs> I know he's yeah. not, in, not yeah. on the Pistons no, anymore. But, yeah, I, I would say – I'll say Trey Lyles and Isaiah Livers, but I'll start with Lyles just because I'm not going to lie. The first few weeks of the season – and I was already skeptical on that signing, but the first few weeks of the season – and Vinayak knows this because I'd be talking so much trash on Trey Lyles. Yeah. God, I could not stand him playing for Detroit. But he really, like – he turned it around after the first few weeks and had a pretty good, you know, short – very short career with the Pistons. Um, and then we were able to use him in the trade, obviously, for Bagley. But, yeah, I, Trey Lyles was solid. And then I'll say Isaiah Livers, he didn't surprise me necessarily, but he surpassed my expectations. And, you know, I think that he's proven that he can be a long-term piece for this team. He was the one guy of the second-round picks that I really thought, you know, could possibly be with this team after a few years. And I think he's proven that because the dude just, he makes threes. He's a great shooter and he looked good next to Kate too. So yeah, I'll go with Isaiah Livers too. I'm going to go Luca Garza because I did not think he would get minutes like whatsoever. And like, you can laugh all you want. The Garzilla. Like my, my expectations for him were so low because just of his athletic ability and just the lack of being athletic. <laughs> like, I don't really know what more I, I need to say because if you watch the Pistons or, like, when he's playing, you know what I'm talking about. So I think the fact that he got meaningful minutes – not meaningful, but he got minutes, like, just for more than, you know, like 10 games a season is impressive and really surprised me. I don't know if that says more about him or more about the Pistons, but yeah. Yeah, I was going to literally say like Braxton Key, I guess, because like I don't know who to <laughs> who to pick for this award. I thought I will say Key played well. He played pretty solid. I don't know if he really stays on the team long term, but to give a more familiar face, I think Hamadou Diallo was a player that kind of surprised me. I already knew he was good and he kind of he kind of lived up to those expectations. So I think that in turn deserves of a surprising award I mean he when he was on the bench coming off the bench I think it was the Bulls game the game that he injured his finger at home that's just you just saw his impact so many times there'd be times where he would you know miss a shot steal the ball from the from the opposing team and get a layup like his hustle and everything was unmatched especially when everyone went out with COVID you know the way he was able to drop like 34 31 points like Diallo is a is a baller like I I'd hope the Pistons try to like you know keep him around and he may not be the shooting. I still personally just wish he would develop a jump shot. If he had a jump shot, he would literally be a starter in the league, like a bona fide starter, maybe even star. But I mean, that's just the only thing holding him back. So for me, it would probably be Hamadou Diallo. So now we can move into this uh, segment. We have the off season. The, we don't got no playoffs for us. And we can now just fantasize about, you know, who they're drafting, who they're trading, who they're going to sign and Wojnarowski and all those big boys. But uh, 
Our first discussion starts off with Jeremy Grant. Now, we have talked extensively. We, we talked with James Edwards. We talked so much about Jeremy Grant trades and what's going to happen. Now, he didn't get traded at the trade deadline. I was a little bit disappointed, but you know, it is what it is. Now we're here approaching draft and the offseason. Do you guys think Jeremy Grant should get traded? Or do you think what you saw towards the end of the season was enough to um, keep him around? And if they do trade for him, what type of package are you looking for in return? Or what is the team? And I think we all kind of know the team, but uh, I'll let you guys talk about it. Should he get traded? He should have been traded last year. So I think the answer, the answer to that is yes. But will he get traded? Wait, last I'm year? I'm not sure. You thought he should have been traded like, like last year? I think he should have been traded before Cade played his first game. Okay. That's a but pretty that's a pretty we'll see. No, no, I no, I, I respect it. I respect the take. That's a fair take. But yeah. Um I do I do think he should have been traded yesterday, though. So yeah. Um, but will he? I hope so. I hope he get traded, you know, whether it be on draft night, whether it be on um later in the season um but i think i think if you're if you're a pistons fan that's hopeful for you know next year you probably want him to be traded before the beginning of the season but i don't know depending depending on the fit with their next draft pick whether it be in the top three or top five um is where you go from there and what they do in free agency but I think they're going to prioritize um, some other things in free agency, obviously Bagley, um, maybe maybe another, you know, guy that plays the three or the four. Um, obviously, there's draft picks for that. Um, but, yeah, I think I think he should have been gone yesterday. And I don't know. I don't really, what do you guys think about it? Yeah, I mean, at the trade deadline, I was kind of mad that he wasn't traded too. But I think looking back on it, I'm kind of fine with it just because I don't think his value has shot down by any means. They did a good job not even playing him for the last month. So, you know, he didn't get hurt or anything to risk that trade value. But I, I remember I also read an article too, and this is talking about the Portland Trailblazers, who, of course, we're going to all mention with this. But they uh, – on for the trade deadline, they didn't offer a first round pick for him. And that was the biggest issue for Troy Weaver in trading him because he wants a first round pick for Jeremy Grant. That's quite clear. He was offered two first round picks um, last year from the Boston Celtics for Jeremy Grant. And I think I'm guessing that's what Aiden, you were referring to that he should have been traded then. So yeah, I don't mind that he hasn't been traded yet, but I do think he needs to be. It depends on what pick they get in the draft lottery, in my opinion, though, because if they take, if they're in the top three, I think you got to trade him right away. Um, and specifically, I think Portland makes sense. Some articles and some reports were that they'd be willing to trade the Pelicans pick, which looks like it'll be around, uh, I don't know, pick 11 or pick 12 or something. And so I think that makes sense. You know, you get that pick and maybe a role, role player or two. Um, I think that's solid value. And especially if you're picking in the top three um, where you might be taking Jabari or Paolo, you got to free up, I think, that four position for whichever one of those guys you get. Um, 
But yeah, we'll see. I, I don't mind him staying in a Pistons uniform. I don't mind it, but I just think, especially if they get that top three pick, you you got to trade him. Yeah, I'm I'm actually I'm pretty much there. I feel like if they get the top three pick and they're gonna get Jabari or Chet or someone, then you need to free it up. But if you're like in a situation where you're looking at like four, five, six, then it's gonna be like a guard or like I guess if you're gonna draft Keegan. I mean Keegan Murray is kind of in a similar position as Grant, but. Benedict Matherin or perhaps the Jaden Ivy, then I guess you can consider keeping him around. There is something to be said about veteran leadership. And if the Pistons trade Jeremy Grant, then they'd have to um, either a get some sort of veteran help from the trade or pursue something in free agency. That'll give them like, you know, solid, you know, solid leadership in a sense, you know? So that's definitely something to consider with, with Grant. Um, also the extension coming up, I don't think the Pistons should give him that extension. I think there's so many other teams that can give it to him. I don't, I feel like there has to be some team willing to give it to him. I just feel like for the Pistons, they have better options. And yeah, I think both sides are kind of ready to move on. I mean, you saw, I think after it was the Portland game and the Cleveland game, Jeremy Grant literally like, they like tweeted pictures. It was the Portland game, like Nurkic tweeted a picture of him and Jeremy Grant. And they're like smiling all after the game. And it was just like, is bound to happen. I mean, CJ Ellaby, I mean, that's just, that's, that guy's a piston. I look at that guy and I'm just like, that's a piston right there. So I'm kind of expecting a trade to Portland, to be honest. Um, we'll see what their pick ends up with. Um, you may not actually want to root for the pick to be too high because then Portland may actually just say, Hey, you know, we like what we have and it's not worth it to trade for Grant, but we'll see about this. But now we're on the topic of the draft. And this has been overdone a lot um, in terms of just like, who do you want top five? There's a lot. We can't really say much into the lottery. Thankfully, the Pistons did not fall behind the Thunder, who pitifully did a t- bottom line. Like, I don't know how the NBA allows it, but their tank was just, I don't know. It was, it was a bad tank. We also did tank, but luckily we were able to secure the top three odds while playing most of our young guys, which I think is a big win. But so now the Pistons are in a range from one. They could pick as high as one, or they could go as low as seven. And we thought it'd be good to just give our top five, or you don't have to even give top five, just who are the guys that you think are in consideration for the Pistons and you want them to take. Um, yeah, what are you guys' what are you guys' thoughts on it? And yeah, let's just let's just talk about the draft. Yeah, um, I mean, this is a topic that we've gone over, you know, a lot already. So uh, I'm not gonna talk about it for too long but the guy that I want the Pistons to take is Jabari Smith I think he's an absolute stud um yeah I mean you know he's, he's a good shooter I think there's maybe some issues with his passing and how he fits in an NBA offense just because in college I mean he would get the ball and immediately be pulling it but you know, I think that changes. I think he'll mature. And I think it also, once he's on a team of, you know, other NBA guys, he'll start passing more. And the other thing I'll say with Jabari is his intangibles, his defense, his leadership, and his um, passion for the game is fantastic too. If you've watched any bit of Auburn this year, um, the dude wants to win. Like he makes that very clear. There's been, I think there was Man, I forget who they played, but they played a team in like the one of the invitational tournaments at the beginning of the year. And Jabari took over the game completely. And he was like screaming nonstop at the end of the game. And that's the type of thing that I like to see because it shows that a guy really wants to win. 
And if he's doing that on the college level, imagine what he's going to do it in the NBA. And so I think, you know, that would be a big time pick, very athletic, by the way, which the Pistons need athletes. And so I think Jabari is the perfect dream situation for them. But to get him, they're going to have to be picking top three. And I'm not sure that he would go third. You know, maybe the GMs fall in love with Paolo because of the March Madness run and take him at two or one. But yeah, I think they're going to need to be top two and maybe even number one. We'll see. Um, it's it's really uncertain with who's going number one. Um, I'll say my top five, um, like big board, I guess you would say, is like I would take Jabari number one, Paolo two, Chet third. Um, and then I would actually take Benedict Mather in fourth and Jaden Ivey fifth overall now. Um, I think Matherin has had a crazy big ascension. I, I love the way that he played, and I guess he only had like two or three games in March, but he, he played big time, and I think he would fit really well next to Cade. Ivy is another guy who I really like, but the shot is a big issue with him, so we'll see. I think if we're talking about the Pistons overall, I think one has to be Jabari, two has to be Chet, Three, I'm going to surprise people and say Ben Matherin. Um, four, I'm going to surprise people again and say Shaden Sharp. And I think Paolo is five. Um, I mean, obviously, uh, Duke made the final four. But I think Paolo has shown a lot of his flaws in that time as well. Um, I think he he comes off as a little bit soft. And um you know, when he gets rattled, uh, he kind of just folds. And, you know, I was talking about that with Sadiq Bey earlier about, you know, how he didn't fold throughout the season. Um, I don't think that was the the situation for Apollo. I think he, you know, has a lot of, you know, he kind of has some mental gymnastics when he plays games and when he's not shooting well, it's it's very tough for him. And I think guys like, you know, um, ben Matherin have you know gotten over that and figured figured that out and they they've fought through it and were able to do it I think Jaden Ivey has the same issues with uh that Paulo that Paulo does um so I think those two are kind of like borderline five six for me now um obviously I'm probably going to change my opinion 300 times before the draft um, as I watch more film of these guys throughout um, leading up to July. But yeah, um, that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think Jabari is the easy number one choice. He can make those tough shots he's made, you know, NBA range threes contested throughout the season. Um, and yeah, I think I think people don't look at like how bad Auburn's guards really were because they they kind of they kind of showed up against bad teams but if you watch Auburn's guards against good teams they weren't really that good so I think I think what you were saying Neil about him passing the ball more I think that will change um obviously we saw that with Cade because Cade didn't have that good of a team around him at Oklahoma State so um yeah once they get on a better team I think they'll be better but yeah the, the guys like Guys like Paulo had a good team around him, and you know, I, I don't, I don't really know. I still have more questions than answers with him. 
Yeah, it's a, it's kind of tough. This draft, I'm kind of like, I'm kind of fizzled out in terms of like, who's gonna be, who's gonna be the best player. Part of me says to just not overthink it and you know just go with the guy. So I think if I had to do big board, I'd probably go Chet. I'd, I'd probably go Chet, Jabari, Paulo, and then Shaden Sharp is actually someone who I've like not watched much of, but I am like really intrigued. You know, like he's like six six, but he was like a seven foot plus wingspan and. He hasn't played a minute of college, which is why it's like a little concerning. But I mean, it's definitely something to consider. And then I'm also in with you guys on Ben Mather, and I think he's he's the guy. I think I think which route they take will kind of dictate what the Pistons will will do. Will kind of take in free agency. But I mean, recent reports of them, and we'll talk about this of them with Jalen Brunson, kind of makes me think that they want to go for more like a forward player. So. Yeah, Jabari is a is a great player. The only thing that's kind of concerning is he shot ridiculous, like really low on two point field goals. Like I think it was like forty percent, and that's like below a lot of players for his size. It's kind of concerning in that way. But I mean, I think all three of these guys have um, all three of these guys kind of have flaws. They have like noticeable flaws, like for Pollock's defense and. If he's off ball, if he's off ball, you'd barely know. He needs the ball a lot. You know, Chet, we've all talked about his uh, his frame. But, I mean, yeah. I, I think also one thing to, to not get lost in is a player like Paolo or a player like, you know, Jabari, like they may look good, but character is also, like, like Aiden said, like resilience and stuff like that is a very important part. And I feel like Troy Weaver, I think that's probably the reason why he took Cade over the rest of the bunch. I know – there's obviously on the floor, but I feel like off the floor, the way Cade carried himself was just a more mature, a mature way than relative. And that's not for me to assess who's mature or not, but he seemed from, from just a fan perspective, the more mature player. And I think that's definitely something that Troy Weaver is going to take into account when um, judging who the Pistons should take. But yeah, no, it's very contingent on the lottery and whoever the Pistons get, I mean, they'll get a solid, they'll get a solid piece. I don't know if it'll be the, a like bona fide second option that we were maybe hoping for at the beginning of the season, but it'll be a solid piece. And yeah, I mean, it's always exciting to add someone through the draft. And this kind of brings us to kind of one of the more final topics of free agency. The main question is who do you want the Pistons to go after this summer? Um, and I'll kind of throw this question too. So according to the athletic it has been reported that the Pistons are very interested. They're all in on Jalen Brunson. If you guys have listened to our podcast and you heard the James Edwards episode, Jalen Brunson was actually mentioned in that episode as the guy they would go after. So we had that Intel for, for a while, I guess it's like, we're getting kind of big here, but um, yeah. What are you guys' thoughts first, maybe on Jalen Brunson and then also then if not him or along with them, other players you'd like to see them go after. I think it depends on what they do on draft night. Obviously, I think, you know, the first pick that they get, whether it's, you know, top three um, or top five or top seven, I don't think that really matters. I think they know who they want. If they want, you know, Jabari or Paulo or Chet there, that's, that's fine. But I think, you know, we talked about that Jeremy Grant trade for, you know, a top, you know, 11 to 14-ish, like, end of the lottery range I think that that makes a difference for the rest of free agency um I think we talked about Jalen Brunson obviously 
Um, we could talk about that for a while. I think getting another five is big. I think Mitchell Robinson's a guy I really like. Um, that I would be very excited about, and I think a lot of people haven't really watched the Knicks like that, and you know he really hasn't gotten as much PT on the Knicks as I think he deserves. But he could start. He should start over Isaiah Stewart. Um from the beginning and I really think that he would be a very big piece um going forward and probably could help them depending on whether you know they get that top three pick and that that turns out to be you know a solid you know two or three guy they could be a playoff team next year um that's that's kind of a hot take but that's how I feel about Mitchell Robinson and potentially Jalen Brunson and then one of those draft picks. Yeah, I think it's an interesting free agency class. And Troy Weaver, by the way, said that in, in their last press conference from like I think a day or two ago, that they will be more aggressive in ways that they haven't been um, for this upcoming summer. And I think what's weird about this free agency class is just that there's a lot of restricted free agents, like a lot. And I think if I'm the Pistons, they are one of, I think, just three or four teams with cap space. I'm throwing that money around a little bit. I'm not throwing around long-term deals, you know, but because you got to be smart about it. Um, but, yeah, I'm going after DeAndre Aiden, man. <laughs> you know, I'm going to make it very clear. I would absolutely love if they somehow pulled that off because – and I know a lot of people are going to say, well, DeAndre Aiden's not leaving Phoenix, which she probably won't. But it is important to note that he wanted a max contract at the end of last season. and He wanted that contract extension. Ownership for Phoenix did not give him that. And that was actually a big issue for the Suns because Aiden did not like ownership for, for the beginning of this season. They had to sort of repair that relationship. Now we don't know if he's going to get offered that. But if I'm Detroit, I immediately give him a max deal. And then you wait and see if Phoenix matches it. If they do, then that's fine. You drove up their price and you get, you know, you gave it a run. If not, um, and they don't match it, then you get a big time player in DeAndre Aiden, who I think would be an all-star in the Eastern Conference. And if they get Aiden and pair him with Cade, and Aiden, by the way, is the perfect vertical threat I've been talking about nonstop, they will make the playoffs next year. Make no mistake about it. They will be a playoff team. And, and I'm talking top six seed, not in the play-in tournament. And so, Aiden, you, I think you go after like crazy, offer that max deal, see what happens. As far as other guys, Aiden, I completely agree. I think you go after Mitchell Robinson, um, you know, another vertical threat. You know, these are guys that just I think would thrive next to Cade and really help him too. And Robinson's also a fantastic defender. I think that would be big time. Um and then I guess I'll say real quick, uh, Malik Monk, I think, makes a lot of sense because, you know, he's another kind of Josh Jackson type of you don't know where the dude's head's at at all. But, man, if he can put it together, he can be a pretty darn good player. And he's still relatively young. And specifically, I think they need to look for guys that will fit well with Cade. I think Malik Monk is the perfect guy in the backcourt with Cade Cunningham. He's a great shooter. And, I mean, that's all he does. He just shoots threes. And so I think that would be a good fit. Yeah, I do want to add on to what you're saying. I think Aiton is the only guy worth giving 
probably more than like 15 or 20 mil too in this class. I think if you save your money for next class, it's, it's a lot better. Um, I mean, I don't know how much Brunson is really going to be worth. Um, I don't know. I don't know if you've, you've looked that up or not, but I think besides Brunson and Aiden, I really wouldn't give many people that large of, uh, of a salary or a contract um, for this, this uh, free agency class. Um, so, yeah, I just, I just want to touch on that quickly. But yeah, I think besides besides Aiton, you know, taking a shot at him, I think yeah, Bagley, Brunson, Mitchell Robinson are probably the biggest priorities. Yeah, I'll say with Brunson real quick. I think he will be getting a pretty hefty contract over the summer. Um, I have a feeling something of like four years, eighty-five million, is what you'd see with him, and I I don't think that's worth it at all. Um, I'm not sure if he really fits too well next to Cade. I know a lot of people like to bring up the Cade Luka Doncic comparisons, and well, it's working next to Luka right now, so why not try it here? But I, I don't know. I'm I'm unsure on that, and I definitely don't want to want them to spend that much money because, like you said, Aiden, they have a ton of cap space for next year. I mean, assuming that this year's draft pick is like a, around the ten million dollars salary that it should be, they'll have about sixty sixty five million in cap space for next year. And that's, those are max slots right there. And so I think you try to, they got to be strategic with it of not giving out a lot of long-term deals, but if it's like a guy like Aiden, I think you have to V, what do you think? Yeah, no. Um, okay. So on the eight in front at first, I was just like, I'd rather have Mitchell. So I was first like trying to think of this financially. Cause like, I'm personally like I really like Jalen Brunson's game and I think it would help Cade a lot. I just see he's just a player who I just uh, if I think about winning basketball players like players who win I feel like Jalen Brunson is just on that list. He did well Villanova and it was really the game the Pistons played against the Mavs towards the end of the season where I really just got to see Jalen Brunson in his full form and the kid he can shoot he can shoot well he's very smart with the ball and I would honestly be really happy to have him on the team. But um, so then I was thinking about Aiton, and I, I do agree that they need a center. So if you could get somehow Brunson and Robinson, that'd be good. And then I was thinking, how could they get Brunson and Aiton? My mind was racing. So then I was thinking, <laughs> I was doing a little research. And if the Suns don't come to an agreement offer with DeAndre Aiton, they can potentially do a sign and trade. We would give them Jeremy Grant, and then we can sign DeAndre Aiton in like you know, through the restricted free agency. And I think, yeah, Aiden's a player you give that money to, you give them. I'm not, it's probably going to be a long-term thing, a four-year, and it's probably going to be like a lot of money, but I think you have to make it. Aiden perfectly fits what the Pistons are trying to do. Jalen Brunson would also be a great, would be a great addition. I will say though, I am out on the Pistons kind of throwing money to Miles Bridges. We've kind of talked about it. You know, Aiden was the first person to, like surprise, I was really surprised that Aiden was out on Miles Bridges coming from an MSU guy, but um, I, I agree with him now. I just think, first of all, we have those types of players already. We have like I'm not gonna compare Sadiq and Miles because I think Miles Bridges is better, but if you just saw recently, Miles Bridges is commanding five years, 173 million dollars. Like, just think about that. And I mean, this this is the money. What did he say? <laughs> what? These not these are the numbers yeah. that people are like thinking about because like you know they're they've played well and money is there's a lot of money to go around so 
I'm out personally. And I think that's the type of money DeAndre Ayton will probably max as well. But I think I'd be willing to throw it maybe at Ayton more than I would to Miles Bridges or like someone like Colin Sexton, for example. No, I, I agree 100%. I think that – I think Sadiq and Miles is comparable because you're going to be playing them at the three. So, you know, yeah. I mean, I see Sadiq more as like a Mikhail Bridges kind of guy. But, you know, you're not going to move Sadiq to the four if you really want to see the full potential of this team. And you're not going to move Miles Bridges to the four if you want to get his full potential too. So, yeah, I think that's – important and you know a guy who really hasn't even who hasn't made an all-star game yet wants you know a max deal worth that much I I just don't see it um I mean I think someone like Aiden I know Aiden hasn't made an all-star game but he he's shown a lot more than what I've seen from Miles Bridges I get Miles has progressed over the years but but Aiden's been good since the start so I think for that reason, I think Aiton is definitely worth it more than Bridges. I think a team like Portland might screw the Pistons by signing Bridges so they won't get Grant, so they won't trade for Grant. But I think a stupid, a stupid organization will give Miles Bridges that money. As much as I hate to say it, because I do love Miles Bridges that much, but I do not think he's worth that. Yeah, that I didn't even know he was looking for that much. That's just insane to me. That's the exact contract, by the way, that DeAndre Aiden is looking for since they're in the same draft class. That's the the max that they can get from their own team of five years, $172.5 million, which correlates to about 34 mil a year. That's crazy for Miles Bridges. For DeAndre Aiden, I think that's fair, or maybe not fair, but near it um and also say with the pistons if they didn't get him in a sign and trade um he would be making i think around just less than 30 million a year just because your home team or your the team that you signed your first contract with um is able to offer more money and so the pistons wouldn't be paying five years 173 unless it was a sign and trade um i was just gonna say real quick what do you guys think of anthony simons do the pistons go after him and like I don't even know what it would take to get him because he's a restricted free agent. And I don't think you'd offer a max deal to, for him. I think that would be maybe a little dumb, but yeah. What do you guys think? I think Portland would be stupid to let him go. He's like the kind of the only thing they have in terms of young talent. That's like the only thing they have kind of going for them. He played really well. If the Pistons were somehow able to get him, I mean, I would throw, I would throw him probably, so I kind of really, I see his potential. Like I see a lot of potential. So I would go 17, 16, like in that range, to be honest, because I think he's, he's worth that much money. Like, I feel like he's, he's, he's a budding star and he's kind of what the Pistons need in terms of like a scoring guard. So if he was a replacement to Cade, that'd be good. But I mean, there's also concerns about, he's also really young. He's a young player as well. And he's not, he's not like as expertise as like Jalen Brunson. I feel like Jalen Brunson would kind of elevate Cade's game I don't know if I could say the same for Simons but um yeah honestly I don't know I, I feel like Portland is probably going to match anything thrown at them because he is like a real piece for them to work with moving forward I think that could be another sign and trade option with Brunson um I, I mean I think I would rather pay Brunson that money than pay Simons that money but that's just me I know Vanayak is a big 
you know, Anthony Simons, Darius Garland kind of guy that can really take it to the cup kind of guy. Right. I don't know what you're talking about. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um but I think I think I think yeah, I would rather give that money to Brunson. Um I don't know. I, I don't really see Portland hanging on to guys like that very desperately. I think they're, you know, committing to the tank and they kind of tanked a little too late this year so i think next year they're going to be full-on tanking um going for that number one pick for that one dude from france i can't remember his name um so yeah i think i think i don't think they're gonna be holding on a tight grip for him but yeah you could probably get him for a few mil yeah um i think you know, he's, he's a guy that I would say similar to uh, Jalen Brunson. Um, he averages like 17 points, few assists. You know, he shoots 41 or 40% from three. So I think that would work pretty well with Cade in the backcourt. That's why I get excited about him. But like I said, it's one of those cases of like, there is just no real uh, precedent of like what you should offer a guy like that just because – he, he's so young and he didn't start playing this well until literally like two or three months ago. Yeah. And so now he's already up for a contract. It's just, it's a little weird, but maybe that's because he, he started in the G league and did all that. He was like one of the first players to do that. So yeah, I don't know. Um, I, I would like the Pistons to go after him. I think you try to force the, the Blazers hands into uh, matching him. And, and if they don't, again, you know, you get a good player. But, yeah, like I said earlier, they got to be careful with the money. One final thing I'll just say on their free agency is that there's, like, no players. I'm, like, I think you guys probably would feel the same way, that you feel, like, dead set, like, they need to get. Like, a lot of fans see, like, DeAndre Ayton as a must. Like, if we get Ayton, if we get Ayton. But, like, I just think, I just think like, whoever they get, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be a player. Like, Brunson's going to be a high-impact player. And like you guys have mentioned, like, there's the 2023 offseason. And they are, like – competing but at the same time they also like want to make it sustainable and not in a sense where they're forcing their cards to like win just next season you know it's a long-term game so even if they don't go you know as crazy as some people expect them to go like it's okay like they're literally growing Kate literally just going into a second season so there's a lot of room to grow and this kind of gets into the final topic we wanted to say was where do you see this team going well, actually, let's, let's not talk about like the future, the way future. Let's just talk about what does a successful season look for you next season? So what is what is that? Maybe we could give record or where you want them to be. What would count as a successful? Oh, it's 2022. That's crazy. It's the in the 2022-2023 season. What would you think as a successful Pistons uh, season? That was redundant. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it, it depends big time on the free agency, like you said, V, just because, you know, you get a guy like DeAndre Aiden, and that's a big if. Again, let me make that clear. That's a humongous big if. But um, you get a guy like that, immediately speeds up your rebuild because you're competing. But I think what's more likely to happen, like you just said, is like, you know, they get a mid-tier free agent of maybe Brunson. Uh, I'd be surprised if they paid that much for him. But you know, I don't think they're going to do anything very drastic this offseason. And so I think a successful season 
looks like making the plans. And I think that's the trajectory that they're on. If they kept the exact same roster other than adding a draft pick, I think they would probably be like maybe the 10 or nine seed next year. And so I think a successful season would be record wise. I don't know. Uh, 39 and uh, 38 and 44 or something like that, you know, of, of around 500, but getting into the playing tournament and giving yourself a chance of making the playoffs. And I think they can definitely get there, but you also got to understand even just getting to 38 wins, that would be a 15 win improvement from this past season. That's pretty big and that's hard to do in the NBA. So I think Pistons fans got to temper their expectations, but I think it's fair to, to go for like the 10 seed. And I think that would be a good season for them. I think the ceiling on them for next year just depends on, like I said, what happens in free agency. Yeah, I think the playing game is a reasonable, you know, expectation. I think, you know, as much as we like to think that the rebuild is over, it's still not. We still have a free agency class, a draft class, and potentially another free agency and draft class the year after um but yeah i think the playing game is attainable especially in the east um the east was kind of it was very weird this year um so i think teams like you know competing with teams like charlotte who i think charlotte you know they they're gonna lose some pieces i think you know atlanta's gonna be better than they were so you know, we're probably not going to be competing with them, but yeah, like I think what Charlotte is now and with LaMelo ball in year two is what I like to see with Cade in year two, where it's like, okay, he's kind of taken over the controls. We're, we're getting to the playing game. You wonder what they're going to do with Dwayne Casey. Um, you wonder what they're going to do with, you know, Killian and other guys. Um, for next year. So I, I think that, you know, it, it falls a lot on them. Um, but yeah, again, just making those extra steps, obviously, like you were saying, I didn't really think of it like that, that 15 extra wins is, yeah, that's a lot. So I think that's big, but I think making two free agent, signing two free agents that can come in and play and potentially start right away along with, you know, one or two draft picks, um, a first-round pick that should start, and, you know, a potential another first-round draft pick and a second-round draft pick that can probably take the place of someone like Luca Garza or someone like, I don't know, Braxton Key, although I do like Braxton Key. But, yeah, you get my point, though. So I think that that's you know, where, where we're aiming at for the start of next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm also in on the play-in tournament. I would actually put them probably, like, I want them probably competing for 9 and 10. I don't think 7 and 8, to be honest, is realistic. But if they're competing for the 10 seed, then fair enough. I would like to see them go for it. My only thing is, like, I just, I can't really get behind tanking, like, for one more year. I think that's, like, I don't think it's worth, I mean, Next year's draft class has been people have been saying it's going to be really good. You know, it's like there's like the Victor, when when a buyout, I don't want to say his name, and Scoot Scoot Henderson and some some solid players. But like, I just don't I don't want to be in a position next year where I'm hoping for them to lose. So if that's in the playing tournament, they're competing. I think that's 
that's a solid start. Like I, I'd keep my expectations low, but like you guys said, it depends on free agency. If they sign a DeAndre and shoot, if they sign like Jalen Brunson, like my expectations go up just a little bit. So maybe like a seven or eight seed. But um, yeah, I think overall, I'm I'm really excited for the future. Um, as we all are, the Pistons are they're on the come up. They're on the come up. Good things are happening to the organization. Big draft lottery coming up in May. Um, any final thoughts uh, before we wrap up this episode? Nah, I was just going to say stay tuned. My bad for the delay. <laughs> no, nah, but stay tuned because, um, yeah, we have, we have some interesting stuff coming up. We'll be doing a playoffs preview and so on. Um, I know, by the way, as we were recording this, uh, the planes are going on with Charlotte and Atlanta. So yep. um, that'll be pretty interesting. But, yeah, stay tuned. we got interesting stuff coming up. Next season is very important that Rodney Magruder makes a jump. No, yeah. I'm just playing. I was, I was going to say Rodney Magruder, definitely surprising player. Yeah. Great player. Yeah. I do want to say something quickly because we did talk about um, guys that, you know, surprised us. I will say some of that surprised me in a bad way was Saban Lee. Yeah. I really thought he was going to be better this year. And he just didn't make the jump. He kind of got stuck behind in the death chart with the log jam at point guard. But still, you know, he showed that he could be really good in the G League. And I don't know. It was it was just hard for him to get PT this year. And I feel bad for him. I really do. But I, I hope he comes back next year. And, um, yeah, I hope he can make the team because I really liked him. Yeah, I will say I was about to say Saban Lee was someone who was like, He's not surprised. Like it's kind of a bad thing because he showed actually a lot of flashes his uh, rookie season, and then dominated the G League. But when he got to NBA, like the game against the Sixers, he had so many turnovers, and it's a tough, it's a tough league. And like, hopefully, wishing the best for him. Hopefully, he's on the team next season. You know, so underwhelming yeah. for sure. But we'll we'll see. We'll, we'll see. But on that note, thank you guys so much for listening to this episode. This was a long, this was a meaty one. This is a meaty podcast. We went, I think, almost like 90 minutes. So giving you all that top tier analysis. But yeah, thanks so much for listening. Be sure to follow us on um, all of our social medias, Instagram, Twitter, you know the drill. Make sure to rate us on uh, Spotify and on Apple Podcasts. And yeah, we will see y'all in the next episode. Peace, everyone. Like and subscribe. Thank you.